here. We are back on the Fantastic Universe Podcast Network talking more about Supernatural. Why is it evening? They might be listening to this in the morning. I, I always start things with good evening. Okay. Uh, it's been something... Hello and have a merry day wherever you are. See, we're inclusive to all time zones. We're just here and inclusive right here on Wayward Rewatch, the podcast where we talk about Supernatural replays. Are you okay? Yep, great. Keep going. <laughs> Perfect. This is uh, part two of us talking about series one. We've, we're going to cover episodes 12 to the end of the series. Hopefully, if we can waffle it out in a decent time frame, are you okay? Are yes, you sure? Yes, absolutely. Keep going. All right, nice. Uh, I'm Adam, and I'm joined by Faye, my oldest and dearest friend, the one who beat me over the head with this great, great idea. And we're coming at you live and direct, not really. Um, about stuff. Yes. Have, have we got the shits and gigs? Yes, just a little bit. It's fine. Episode 12, Faith. Um, you just got to keep it. Got to keep it faith. Yeah. Or, you you know, you, you got to have faith, the faith, the faith. Um, we're starting off this part two yeah. with a very strong episode. Yes, we are. I p- deeply love this one. It's a big part of like the supernatural ongoing myth for introducing... One of the best ongoing non-monster monsters, because they're like a supernatural presence, the Reapers, but they weren't like an actual like big bad. Yes, the fact that we get a Reaper so early on in the supernatural uh, reality, as it were, um, I didn't realise... I remembered this episode as, as a very good episode in season one, but I didn't quite realise that it was a Reaper. Yeah. Um... Until I, I rewatched it this time, because obviously in the later seasons, Reapers did play quite a big part in some of the storylines. Yeah, between like one important character that was a Reaper, Tessa, who's set to show up pretty soon in the ongoing arc, but not for a while, at least in the season. And However, her actress was in an episode, no? Yeah, you pointed that out in your notes. That was really interesting. I think it was her. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Maybe it was... <clears throat> her projecting herself into the mortal world just to help steer the boys in one of their cases. Maybe. That'd be interesting. Um, in any case, the actual Reapers just being around was a really nice just thing to get out there and a way to just project the whole death myth and put the Christian sort of spin on things that the show later goes on to because like, they're sort of manifestations of the Angel of Death, I feel like. Yes, I, I would tend to agree with you on that one. Um... However, they have a very monster quality about them, not only the way they look, but the certain way that they don't really care, I, yeah. would, I would say. That's, yeah, the non-caring is a really big, important part, which is what you'd expect for like beings of death. Yeah. They have a job to do. They go out, they do it. We might think it's, you know, utter crap that they're stealing loved ones and lives from us, but they don't see it like that. They're just doing their cosmic job. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the way that the the episode opens with Dean actually being the victim in this one. Yeah, that that was one of the few the few times that we've seen in the season. Just like, but they've been able to like break the whole bystanders. Something bad happens to them with monsters. Credits. Then we see the boys. We actually see the boys in a bit of trouble. But they but this is them on like the tail end of a different hunt. And Dean on Death's Door was them trying to cover from it, leading them into this new case immediately after whatever got them in that pebble. Yes, I also don't know what that monster is that they were fighting, and I'm quite intrigued as to the backstory of that, because I don't think yeah. we ever get to see that one. No, it was, they, they were able to electrocute it with the uh, flooded basement that they were in, and 
that bounced back onto Dane, which got us in the trouble. But that would be an interesting monster or case to deal. Yes. Um, he had a very uh, interesting look about him. Very. Yeah. This was uh, the episode that I had an epiphany. Oh yeah, was, what was that again? The epiphany was that uh, Dean Winchester is the original fuckboy. <laughs> we talked about this a bit at the beginning, but I, I want to hear this again. So, I don't know what exactly happened to have an epiphany <laughs> like this. Um, I think it was something to do with the fact that Dean didn't want to stay in the hospital where the nurses weren't even hot. <laughs> Uh, and then immediately goes on to like have a really solid connection with Layla um, from the episode Uh, and I was like oh my god he's a fuckboy he doesn't call you back after you have a one night stand you think you have something special he doesn't he will literally look at anything in a skirt that's walking past him um and I just I had this clarity Uh, and plus like his lifestyle really supports the fuckboy lifestyle doesn't it yeah it does it really does oh I'm sorry I'm only going to be in your neck of the woods for like three days whilst I kill this monster thing so you know after that you ain't never going to see me again but you don't need to know about that let's bone yeah (laughs) and it was oh yeah oh that's so grim that's so grim just to put to just to associate that with like that kind of culture didn't even show up until like years after but yeah well this was back in 2005 like he was the OG without even realising it <laughs> but like um he hunts monsters and he has a heart of gold so he can't even hate him like the no I really can't I can't I'll let him off because uh he's, he's had a tough life yeah you'll you'll let him off while the other ladies get him off hey. oh okay <laughs> Hey, I could not do it. Could not do it. That's fair. Um, so whilst Dean is being uh, the original fuckboy, Sam <laughs> is over here trying to, you know, save his life. You know, like the good brother should. Yes, the um, goodest. And he calls up his his absolute prat of a father, and he's like, "Hey, man, Dean's dying, but it's cool. I got it all handled. Don't you worry about a thing." And then he goes off, finds this. Uh, I believe he says the word specialist. Mm. And Dean's like, you bastard, you tricked me. Blah, blah, blah. And Sam's like, no, no, I didn't say he was a doctor. I said he was a specialist. Yeah. And I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Technicalities. Loophole. And then, you know, we get into... The fact that a spiritual healer isn't really doing a good spiritual job. No. No. His wife has, in fact, roped a reaper. Into doing it. Into redirecting, like, a possible death here to a certain death of someone that really doesn't deserve it over there. Yes. Um, but it's just for her ill-gotten gains, because it's all, you know, uh, an openly gay teacher that she kills, or someone who's speaking out about um, abortion that she kills, because she thinks they're wrong. In her eyes, they're immoral. Yep. Uh, so she's like, hey man, I'm going to take this life-threatening illness you have and give it to them because you've come over here and you've been like yeah I believe in faith and whatnot yeah just like and the way that the illness is manifest on these victims it's just like they get the full hit of the illness or affliction immediately instantaneously yeah absolutely as soon as the reaper lays his hands on you you are done for yeah which is just uh, that's why why being uh, using a reaper here is such an interesting 
like monster of a, but not of a traditional like I'm going to kill you because it's in my nature monster just like a figure of death that can't be beaten and can't be really stopped just to put that kind of negative energy onto someone else just like in one huge whammy was yeah. just really interesting I think actually now that I think about it I think Reapers just because it's me talking about games and stuff Reapers are like a really good embodiment of lawful neutral because they, they have their code they do their thing and they don't care about good or bad yeah yeah it's just when they are tethered to, like she said, um, reward the good and punish the wicked, and your brother is a wicked soul, which is why he, he gets himself in enough flack for investigating this this uh, this action she's taking to redirect badness onto people she thinks is bad. Apart from the fact that if you talk to anyone, everyone will tell you Dina does not have a wicked soul. Yeah, exactly. He might be a little bit wicked, but yeah. his soul is perfectly fine. His soul is perfectly fine. But it's really interesting that we just came from an episode where Sam was insistent, but Dean didn't think that there was a case here. But Sam goes along, but isn't so certain about what's going wrong here in this commune. Yes. So Sam is very much like, why would you look a gift horse in the mouth? You know, he cured you. It doesn't have to be a supernatural thing. Why can't it just be a miracle? Hmm. And Dean's like, dude, there are no miracles. We only have ever seen the bad stuff. Yeah, Therefore, true. it is a bad thing. And he was proven right in this case, even though he changes his tune fairly quickly in by the start of season four. But like we, this is there's not been any evidence of anything divine yet for no, him. No. So he's immediately like, "Oh yeah, it's definitely bad. It's not a miracle. You know, there are no good things. You just gotta deal. Yeah, you just gotta live that life until you, you realize that there is something more out there." But that's not for a while for the boys. Not for a while yet. And like an argument I had with some other people, not an argument, a discussion I had with some other people about this episode and like the appearance of it is that to disbelieve in the divine is kind of folly because demons exist. Because in that sort of pantheon, demons exist only because they were made by corrupted angels or they were corrupted angels. So therefore they have to exist somewhere. Yes, granted, but the boys haven't seen any evidence of that. They've only ever seen the bad yeah. stuff. So it's very easy to assume that like they may have existed back in the day or they just don't exist anymore or they just never existed and demons are just something else that wouldn't... That have just been like, created from the human badness yeah, rather than created from, you know... Anything divine. Yeah. yeah. They sort of touch... They sort of <clears throat> stay loose around it by not getting too touchy, which I think they needed those episodes and series behind them before they explored like angels and god and stuff oh heaven yes as it were um because if they'd have gone anywhere near all of that stuff before season four i'm pretty sure they would have lost quite a lot of viewers yeah but because they had that base of all of the demons all of the backstory all of like the um the life that the boys led and then they went into oh hey maybe there's there's a little bit more to it than what you're seeing right now and yeah. then people were like, oh yeah, maybe I can I can see that a little bit. Sure, I'll let you have it. That's fair. But then again, that also means it's really brave that they're going to be like, oh, don't worry, it's the Bible Belt of these people that are going to be the ones to like use forces of death for your own gain. Yeah. But then again, that's an indictment on people, even they're not mocking anyone's faith. Yes. Yeah. But Everybody's it's... very open in that kind of area. On this show, especially. Definitely. It's a bold thing to be able to just, like, call people out on that, but then again, they're only calling out people. 
we'll get to them calling out people in a couple of episodes. But right now, we're taking a trip down Route 666, episode 13. Which is something you believe I forgot existed. Yeah, definitely. It was... No, wait, I said that wrong. Yeah, what? <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to go along I with believe... it. I believe... You forgot existed, not the other way around. Yeah, I was. I was just. I just agreed to just try and keep the conversation going. I'm so um, sorry. No, that's cool. Yeah, like it seems so obvious to talk about an episode of the Ghost Cop, but this whole episode, I genuinely forgot was a thing. This is why doing this rewatch was really rewarding. See, where my first note is, oh yes, the haunted car. No, yeah, the haunted car episode. Which obviously, uh, I knew it was coming at some point. I completely forgotten the order of things so when it started rocking up and I was like what is this episode oh hey it's Christine the haunted car yeah um so yeah and then you know you completely forgot it existed which I find really interesting is it because why 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 because <laughs> like you said last episode it's been a while since we've done a rewatch of season one it's very easy to get caught up in the series-long ongoing arcs <clears throat> that this show sort of got into. And it's easy to remember the, the huge cosmic forces that they fight in those later series. Yeah. That these little grassroots ghost stories little things are very easy to like glaze over in your memory of the wide-swooping 100-plus episode canon of this massive show. Yeah, I agree. This... Uh... But, however, this episode I thought people would remember because it was the first kind of episode that we see Dean having a life yeah. outside of the hunting realm. That's just an important character thing that really dr- grounds and drives home these guys here from the mi- the what we can call now the middling meat of the series. Mm. It's... It's a nice thing to be able to just, like, explore that because, like, before that we've just seen him as a woman knows in smack talking hard case yes whereas here we see him as someone who you know maybe wanted to show that side of his life to someone wanted that kind of comfort and relationship and wanted uh to maybe settle down at some point if it were ever quiet enough and if john wasn't so insistent or on the scene do you think he'd have had the chance i don't know um you know later on in the season's Obviously, stuff happens and whatnot, so that he does settle down a little bit. But I'm not sure if he would have settled down at this young age. Yeah, probably not. Because he knows that stuff is out there. He knows that people are getting hurt. Yeah. And he can do something to stop it. Yeah, like Dean now. Yeah, Dean now in my head, where I'm up to watching, and Dean now in the wide thing in the series totally would because age and because he's weary as hell oh god yeah like now the boys are just fed up with all this crap like they've been through so much whereas back in season one uh and you know obviously before that what we didn't see them growing up there's still so much out there that they can be you know helping people and killing monsters yeah um and i don't mean to repeat myself but saving things the family business you know the actual quote from the freaking uh, show and the fact that he was so ready to tell uh, Cassie I believe her name was pretty sure um, about his life and about you know oh this is what me and my dad do blah 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 um, and then she was like obviously you're crazy see you later yeah. and he was really like beat up about that yeah like that, that's a normal reaction on her and that's the normal reaction on him so that's why 
it was hard for him to take it and that's also why him just like recoiling from that sort of vulnerability and going into like the hard life would be the natural reaction yes absolutely um enough about Dean's character development because trust me I've worked that for years yeah, how about we actually talk about the haunted car that was, truck that was such a good idea like that was such a good idea yes. between, between like weird westerns of just like the of like ghost trains the same myth of like ghost cars haunting highways is such another interesting idea like the the spirit of the dead person was tied so strongly to the car that he created a ghost car instead of a ghost person. Yes. Because, like, he felt that it was such an extension of his of his form. That it, it's just such a really good idea. Yeah. And the way he was defeated was also a really good idea that I don't think they've done since either. No, I don't think they have. Uh, but the way it was defeated, I did want to touch on this as well. The fact that um, Sam, college boy, has such a good idea, such a good plan, um, and... <laughs> He's like, Dean, you gotta go exactly seven tenths down that road. He's like, uh, okay, crazy man, whatever you say. Um, and the actual CGI they used, yeah, uh, I thought was very good for 2005. But the fact that you could see the car barreling into the gates of the church, yeah, and then like dissipating into smoke, I thought was a really really nice touch. You got that kind of slam from the truck into the hollowed ground. Yeah, because that was the only way to like defeat it reasonably without finding the car and burning it like the way of the wood. But even then they wouldn't... So they needed to be able to get it into that sort of place, which was still... Because when you do it properly, that's still so spiritually charged that it would dissipate a ghost like that. Oh god, yeah, Consecrated Ground is like burning fire. Exactly. That's, um, yeah. So... I thought this was a really, really well done episode. You know, they touched on some really deep and difficult subjects, uh, especially for 2005. Yeah. Not something that really talked about that. Whereas today they talk about it more, it's, it's still not quite fixed, um, which is the racial inequality. Yeah. Um, because it was originally, it was uh, three black guys got run over by this big black truck. And back in the 60s, uh, a lot of black men in the community went missing and in this big black truck. Um, and they talked a lot about, you know, what that did the, to the community, to the people, so on and so forth. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to to get into so early on yeah. um, in a in a TV show. It was a it's a good source of inspiration because there's a huge black spot on like American culture in that part of this country. Yeah, like between like the lynchings and the inequality and the segregation and stuff, that it could lead to really dark stories like this that could create malevolent spirits, like we saw in the episode. Yeah. Um, I would also like to say this is the first time I wrote down I love Sam. Oh wow! In this episode, uh, because he was such a little, such a little brother in his piss taking of Dean and and Cassie, and just like oh, so you love her, and like he was. I really enjoyed his character because he stopped being an idiot for like five minutes and was like an actual person. You know, he was there with his brother. He was taking the piss. He was doing his research. He was really smart. He went about this all the right way. If I had this sound from the very beginning, I would have been a happy customer. I, well, obviously you were a happy customer because you were pulled in by the charming loves of Dean. Oh but yeah. Isn't it not? Isn't it more satisfying to have seen Sam grow into this position? No, because he annoyed me so much. I didn't care about him. <laughs> so much for defending Sam. I'm sure. Sorry, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> Worth a try. Worth a try. I guess. Um, did, did you ever get around to him? 
yeah, absolutely. He's alright now. I, li- I really enjoy Sam's character, uh, basically from halfway through season one onwards. Like, that first half of season one, that was rough going for me and Sam. But yeah. I feel like we've, we've come to a point we in our relationship where we're happy. Well, it's good that it took, like, less than half of a season compared to, like, less than half of a show, as which I've known to feel about main characters. Like, there have been shows where I just couldn't get invested in some of the main characters. Sometimes it's just yeah. sort of bothered me. Yeah. Um, I did want to touch on the fact that, A, this was the first episode with an actual sex scene, yeah. which was Dean yeah. and Cassie, which I found was uh, was quite interesting. The weird music choice kind of got me for that one, though. Yeah, like, again, this was just another ep- whole episode that largely fell out of my head, so all of it was still fairly new, and I'm like, no thanks. Yeah. Um, however, the emotion from Cassie's mum, Mrs. Robinson, when she was telling the story about Cyrus and you know her husband and the whole backstory behind the truck, that really like she was such a raw emotional actress in that moment, and I thought that was a very very good scene in yeah. that episode. Yeah, it was just because the stories were so charged, it needed that weight and that gravitas behind it, and she did that perfectly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, next we have a rough dream, do we? Yes, we do. Um, and, uh, my first note for episode 14, Nightmare, is, oh good, more Sammy's a freak crap. Bro, what is, what, what? I don't know. So, the whole Sam psychic powers, yes, obviously they're explained later in the seasons. Yeah, but for right now they just seem really out there. Yeah. Like you, you they, get them very here and there, and I feel like it's it's mostly just a plot device to move the plot along. Like they're never explored. They're not really well. Dean's worried about them. Sam's obviously worried about them, but not worried about them enough to like maybe call a psychic or, or go back do to, something about it. Well, if you want a psychic, they could just go back to the person Missouri, yes, not the place I know. Missouri, because she'd be like. She'd be like, oh, so you have powers. Let's look into this, shall we? Yeah. Also, your dad visited, but he's neither here nor there. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. It's not my favourite thing. Granted, it moves the story along, and, you know, you get to see a little bit more about how the boys deal with certain situations. Yeah. But I'm not a fan, to be perfectly honest. Of the the psychic powers? Yeah. They, like, I'm going to refer back to gaming metaphors probably a bit too much, but whenever I'm dungeon mastering a game and one of the players is a warlock, I'm like, yes, because this is an old tip I heard from the Nerdarchy guys, because if you have a warlock in your D&D party, the dungeon master can be like, alright, your your patron is giving you bad visions and you need to go here and do this thing when you're really stuck and your players are going off the handle and, you're, and you need them to go back and do this thing. Yeah, but again, plot device. Yeah, it's 100% a plot device. But even with a D&D game, you have the explanation of, like, you're getting these powers from this place for this reason. We don't have any of that yet. No. I, I, we just have, hey, uh, maybe have a bad dream and do the thing. Yeah, which is super convenient, but it's real hard to sort of go like, why? why? Yeah. If they'd been able to, like, cut down the runtime for a bit, and then just have, like, a decent montage of them, like, looking into, like, psychic connections and ley lines or bloodstone circles or some explanation. But, that... And then not coming up with anything. At least we know they've tried to look. Yeah. Rather um, than just, oh, you're having nightmares? Well, let's go and deal with that situation and never talk about them again. Yep. Until the next one happens. 
Yeah, it's kind of a problem now that you think about it. Yeah, I know. Sorry to, <laughs> sorry to bring this problem up to you when well, you so enjoyed the plot device. No, I mean, I enjoy the plot devices in, the, in that it's useful, but... It's useful, but there needs to be a reason why it's useful. It can't just be there. Yeah. Um, As for, like, the stuff that they got up to with these visions... Yes, the actual episode, on hmm. the other hand, rather than just the plot device, hmm. uh, was a very interesting episode, I find. Yeah, it was... Um, it's not something we got confirmed, but it's another manifestation of the source of these powers. Yes. So... Max, yeah, uh, the kid with the powers. Yep, played by actor Brendan Fletcher. I had to look him up because he's done a bunch of other stuff, and he's this is where he cemented himself as a creepy actor for TV. Yes, because he was in the last season of Arrow as um, Green Arrow's super fan who broke in and paralyzed them all and just had them all at gunpoint. It was really tense bit of television. It was yeah. So he's like he was a perfect choice to just make like tense, creepy, unsettled capable of doing pretty much anything and it was perfect for the part that he played it in especially for the bit that they had the vision of going through the rest of it and as the power sort of builds up yes um he is however an absolutely terrible liar oh yeah like when the boys were questioning him and he was like no I don't know what you mean I don't know no and I was like wow okay you're definitely lying oh yeah like, there were definitely certain bits where I thought the character um, of Max was great. You know, the the storyline behind him was very interesting. Uh, you could have seen a possible way that the boys would have gone if their father had become an alcoholic, abusive drunk. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Max started murdering everyone. So that's definitely a way that Sam and Dean could have gone rather than down the hunting road. Um, yeah, and if they'd have gone unchecked and uh, got to a place where they were as skilled and as resourceful as they are now with that kind of attitude, they could be very dangerous, very scary people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel for Max, I really do. Yeah. Obviously he's had a very difficult life uh, with his mum dying uh, over his crib and then his father turning into an abusive alcoholic and his uncle as well hitting and beating him and his stepmother not doing anything to stop them um, but in the words of Jake Peralta cool motive still, still murder, murder. <laughs> cool motive still yep, murder still murder um, and what also got me is when Sam and Max were having a conversation and Sam was trying to talk Max down and uh, Max lets that little tidbit go about his mother burning in the fire um, on the ceiling and, Max, and uh, Sam's like oh my gosh wait and in my head, I was like, oh, no way. Your mum's name's Martha, too? Oh, would you please not? And I literally, I was like, oh, okay. No, <laughs> I just, see it. No. It was just beginning, being a case of, oh, your name's Martha, too? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yeah. Do you want to go practice our psychic powers in the garage? Yep. <laughs> but it definitely, you know, there were so many different things that Sam could have done to got through to Max, but I think Dean was right. He was way too far gone at that point. Way too far gone. If he'd have... If they'd have just picked him up and put him in some sort of care, maybe, but like they got to him just as he was flying off the handle and was prepared to kill his family then himself. So yeah. yeah. Too again too far gone. But then again that's a really human problem caused by supernatural things and that's they're heroic, but they're not straight up heroes. Yes. 
There is a difference, I think. I feel. Yeah. I, I agree. So the next episode we go into is the only one in the season that doesn't have a beginning clip that leads into the title screen. It's which, just... Which really messed with me. 22 years later, immediate title screen, and then straight into the episode. That really messed me up. Episode 15, The Benders. And the, I think the most interesting part about this and why they did it, to me, is because it wasn't a supernatural entity Yeah. that grabbed the victim. Demons I get. People are crazy. Yep. I agree. Dean, I'm with you on that one. Uh, so in this episode, basically, uh, human gets snatched. Obviously, the boys come around thinking it was a monster. Um, turns out, just a bunch of crazy people. Crazy hicks that like chopping people up in the basement. Yep. They, they like hunting them. You know, they let them out. They give them a weapon. And yeah. then they, they hunt them down. Um, and they come. Yeah. That's a really weird fucked up blood sport. I don't... My timing's aren't great so I might be incorrect with this but I feel like I am this season was around the same time season one of Torchwood was out or at least within a year of each other sure and there was a very similar episode to this on Torchwood where they went out to that farm and they found farmers that enjoyed kidnapping yes, and killing people I remember sport. that remember yes that? yes why why around the 2005-2006 just maybe just appeared in the zeitgeist for a sort of thing and that sort of maybe indirectly sort of bonded the two shows like on a on a like a creative sort of standpoint because they were playing in the same sort of space even though they weren't meant to be because mm. like uh, you live on Tumblr like I do mm, yeah. so the links between Supernatural Doctor Who and Sherlock are just inescapable at this point ah Super Who Lock yes I can't I can't I can't feel anything but love for it even though it would never work I have a jumper with Super Who Lock and I believe Harry Potter on yes you do yeah that's a good jumper yes um this episode I genuinely forgot what it was until Sammy got snatched I legitimately I was watching the first ten minutes of the episode like what is what is happening in this one? I've completely forgotten everything about this about this episode. And then Sammy gets snatched from outside the bar and my brain immediately clicked into place and I was like, Oh Yeah Unimpressed? Kind of a little bit. I mean it was an interesting episode and I really wish that they would do it a little bit more. Mm, I where... think they did one more non monsters just crazy people episode. Oh really? I think so, pretty sure. Like season three or four? I must have forgotten that one as well. We'll come back to it okay. eventually. Uh, but I did think uh, that it was a very, very interesting way of going about, you know, the whole monster of the week situation because it wasn't an actual monster monster. It was just a monster human. Yeah, monstrous people. Yes. Um, and that ho the whole episode was sort of like counterpointed with Sam trying to keep his head down and survive being in this dank, bloody cage to Dean interacting with the nice sheriff lady. Yeah. She was delightful. She was a delightful ball buster and that's always a lot of fun. And, uh, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I looked in and around of it and after I remembered it when it first came about. You remember right at the end of the episode where Sam and Nina are walking away and Dean's just like, you want to get some food? I'm hungry. Kind of fancy pea soup. You remember him saying that? In no. the end of the, at the end of this episode? No. That is because... Uh, the lady that pays the sheriff is the 
kid that gets possessed in The Exorcist. Oh. And she projects off almost pea soup. Wow. That's really interesting. I didn't pick up on that at all. Re-re-watch it later. You'll, that, that, the, last, the last shot of the episode is Sam and Dean walking away in the woods yeah. when, the, when, when sunrise happens. And the sheriff's going to clean up their mess and just let them sort off conveniently. Yeah. And Dean's just... It's like quite quiet because they're starting to play incidental music going into the credits. But you can hear Dean saying... Oh, you want some food? I'm hungry. Come on, some pea soup. Because pea soup from the when she was possessed. Wow, and I thought I had an interesting tidbit of information because the young girl who plays Missy Bender... Oh, yeah, the little creepy little girl. The creepy little girl, yeah. She actually plays Dean's daughter in season seven. No way, that's so messed up. That's her. That's, that's the same so actress. That's so messed up. Yeah, I know. I found that out and I was like, shut up, shut the front door. Because I recognised her and I and I did some Googling. And, uh, and she comes back in season seven... And she's the offspring of Dean and that Amazonian woman. That's so messed up. Yeah. Because, like, she's considering where she started. And I was like, damn, they really do enjoy bringing back actors and actresses they've previously worked with, huh? Yeah. After this delightful episode, we catch up with your favourite character from the whole season. Is that perhaps Jonathan? D- dear old daddy. Yes. I literally have a note here that says, ugh, John, piss off. You love him dearly. Well, it's just because he's only because he's an abusive advocate father. Yes, and then I have Dean, smart boy, legal, a loyal son, and bro, and then Sam, stubborn little bitch, grow up. Cool episode seventeen. That's pretty much uh, episode sixteen in a nutshell. No, um, so I have the the foreshadowing of the voicemail at the very beginning when that young girl is listening to her voicemails. And her friend's like, oh, listen, I know that last guy ripped your heart out, but I found this new one. And then the shadow comes over and literally rips her heart out of her chest. Yeah. And I was like, wow, congratulations. You've done a good job. See, now, I just find that straight up funny. <laughs> I did laugh. I was like, all right, you're way on the nose here. I understand what you're going for. But at the same time, come on, man. Like, when you got me back in, when you got me into this show, like, 2012, 2013. Yeah. Like, it was... It freaked me out a little bit, like, because I was like a tiny child. But now that was just straight up funny. Yeah, see, we, we've grown a lot since the time where we originally watched it, because I, at a lot of season one, almost, I think, almost cringed away from the scenes in some of them. And now I'm just like, no, why are you only showing me the shadows? Show me the bit where he no. actually goes through the chest. Not even that. Even in, like, the later seasons where you'll just hear a scream... And then a random blood spatter, and then the credits show up. Mm. They do that so much in seasons like seven through nine. Yeah, but it it was. I feel like there was a lot of blood in this episode, but it wasn't used to its best ability. True, I can say that. They um, it's because of the nature of the things they were fighting, the the shadow presences. Yes, they had to sort of, like, get creative on how they were going to rip them up, because, like, they made the effects of the actual two-dimensional shadow beings moving across the thing really good, especially towards the end when they turn on their master. Yes, I did enjoy that bit. Um, but they were, again, criminally underused. Hmm. I don't think we've ever seen them again. The Deva, they were called. Yes. Which is weird, because those are technically kind of celestial spirits. And also that one girl from Overwatch. Yeah. Um, but 
never seen again as far as I'm aware I'm maybe eating my words after watching a few seasons um, the background of them we, we barely touch into yep they were just sort of controlled by me yeah they, they just kind of turned up because reasons she wanted them there yep convenient but it happens mm. uh, I did rather enjoy the brothers taking the piss out of each other you know Dean was like Sam go give her a private strippogram and I was like <laughs> brother jokes that's hilarious to me yeah. uh, and then immediately after that comment I've written down Sam you're a bona fide bellend <laughs> Oh, this dude can't catch a break. I'm li- I'm not entirely sure why this time. I'll be perfectly honest. Just reviewing your own notes. Mine are just like bullet points of just like, this was a thing that I found interesting. Try to talk about it. But you're just like, sounds bad. Yep. And sounds I also, bad. I've written down, loves it. Uh, I love Dean again, so. Sounds bad. I love Dean. John can fuck off and die. Yep. Yeah, I, these are my notes, basically. The, the entire season is just, I love Dean. Sam's a bit of a twat. And John can piss off. Um, also Meg. Meg can really, really do one. Well, don't worry, she does at the end. Ish. Gotta love how thick y'all are. She's a demon, she's gonna come back. Yeah. That was after she fell out of the uh, the yeah. seven-story window. Crunch. And I was like, hey, you think she'll, you're like rid of her? <laughs> not even close. Nope, not even kind of close. But that's for future Sam and future Dean to deal with. Not that future, though. Not only that future. But then a few episodes future. Yeah, but and as for the next episode, they have to meet our new best friends. Oh my gosh, I love this episode. Episode 17, Hell House. The only time we ever see the ghost faces not out of Steadicam. Yes, ghost faces, who weren't actually ghost faces. They were hellhoundlair.com. Yeah, they hadn't come up with the name. <laughs> oh my gosh, and the prank war between the boys. The Legendary. Uh, they just... And the way that they, they climax it as well. So, obviously, going on a, on a car ride across country with your brother yeah. can take a little bit of time. Um, so, having something that will entertain you like a prank war between the two of them, it's, it's going to you know speed up a lot of time. It's going to make the, the journey more jovial. And I can't believe that they haven't done this already. Like, it's such a staple for siblings to, like, take the piss out of each other. And the fact that (laughs) it starts with Dean putting a spoon in Sam's mouth whilst he's asleep and taking a photo. That is how the prank war starts. And it escalates to the point where, you know, there's itching powder in someone's underwear. Someone's super gluing someone's hand to their beer bottle. And, you know, it's such absolutely jovial and, and juvenile pranks that don't genuinely really hurt anyone uh, but the fact that the boys after they've done a prank their face lights up so much and they're so happy with themselves it's just so cute to me it's really important to just like keep that sort of light side alive especially considering with how dark the, their road can get and some of the stuff they deal with I feel like it took this long to get out because they came from very different places and I'm not sure how long it was that Sam was away from Dean and the car and the hunting life so it might just be a case of like they need to get to know each other and they had that stumbling block around Scarecrow where they went their separate ways yeah yeah I agree I think you know getting back into that um, brotherly bond you can definitely see the progression throughout the episodes of them like getting closer and being more brotherly and being more jokey and like regressing back to where they were in their childhood uh, but this episode really cements it that they are 
related. They are brothers. Yeah, you really feel that brother connection here in this episode, and that's why I think that's why it was important to put that emphasis out there. And it was just a nice, just fun thing to see because it, like, the whole tone of this episode just felt lighter because we're starting to wind down towards the end of the series. I feel like they needed this calm before the storm sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Between this one and the next one, they did that really well. Um, but. <laughs> the way that they used their pranking for good at the end of the episode where they stopped pranking each other and started pranking the as we so lovingly call them ghost faces who don't actually become the ghost faces for a while yeah they um, just run hellhounds later probably. yeah Sammy calls them up and, and tells them that he's a producer from LA and he wants the movie rights to the ghost story that they've just they've just had and, uh, and Dean puts a fish in the backseat of their car like and it's just so funny to me to to think that, you know, Dean probably had that fish planned for Sammy at some point. But instead of pranking his brother, he used it for good and he put it in the back of Hellhoundslair.com's car. And it ju- I just, I don't know, but it just makes me really laugh. And then you've got the Hellhoundslair boys themselves. Yeah. Now, this is something that, like... I personally think, and I will stick by, even though I am calling out myself, you, and every other person in this fandom, if there was a situation where these monsters were real, and we knew about them, we would be much more like them than we would Seventeen. Okay, well you can speak for yourself on that one. Okay, I would probably, like, I mean, for a bit, for the, at the beginning, before, like, shit hits the Archimedes screw. There would be a serious length of time where we would just be, like, trying to document it, trying to understand it, and being a little bit, you know? No, I mean, again, I'm not like a lot of other people. If if something like this were to happen to me, I would definitely take a hot second to be like, oh, piss off, this is real. And then I would just be like, right, how do you kill it? I don't want it here, leave me alone. Okay, sure, fair enough. That's probably fair. Um, but that's just my mentality. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, it would be, like, a huge learning curve, but I would get to their place after a while. I would get to, the, like, that sort of deal after a while. I would be a lot more, like, Spangler and more immediately, and for, like, the first while. Yes. I think most people would, to be fair. There, There is only probably a few that would definitely be, like... Um, alright, pass me that shotgun with those rock salt rounds in them. Because that's a totally normal thing to just ask for people. But yeah, no, it, it's, it's true, it's true, it's it's cool, it's, it happens. But you know what you should ask? What's it again? WWBD. What would Buffy do? What would Buffy do? I, I need that on like a wristband or something just so I can be like, what would Buffy do? That, would, that kind of cements their, um, the Hellhound Lair boys, their entire characteristic yeah that just kind of cements it for me that's why I feel like it would be so much like people in the fandom because people in the fandom have that sort of like in because they appreciate pop culture and like that sort of a uh, connection to it just to be able to like keep yourself motivated because like for us it'd be like WWWD what would the Winchesters do yes absolutely which we kind of see a little bit of when the boys end up at a supernatural convention and some of the convention goers have to deal with salting and burning some bones yeah because they actually do that they don't have to like spray some washing up liquid over some uh, like foam bones yeah and the fact that um, the boys at the convention you know one of them dressed as Dean 
complains that, you know, oh, why can Dean always get the lighter to go at the first try? And he's standing there having trouble trying to light the bones on fire. Um, it's true, he always does get it on the first try. Yeah. Well, you haven't seen the blooper reel. Oh, no, it's true. I have a lot of things to say about the blooper reel, to be honest. I love the blooper reel. I wanted to say in the last episode that there are always going to be moments whenever I watch the third episode where I will always see Jensen... No, I can't call him Sam and Dean. Where I see Jensen jumping into Jared's arms. Oh, God, yes, absolutely. Like, after watching the entire season, I watched every single blooper reel from every single season out so Ooh. far. All of them, All wow. Of them. Because I just love the blooper reels so much that, oh, okay, we can get into that at a different time. They're, oh, they're just so much fun to me. Um, so, we haven't actually got into the actual hell house of the house for this yeah, episode. Yeah, the actual hell house and the actual myth around it. Like, the idea of the Tulpa, like, as a storyteller or like a like self-important storyteller, as I say myself, the idea of a myth being so strong over a collective that it becomes real. Yeah, I think that was such an interesting premise yeah. for the show to touch on. Um, it was very interesting to see how the boys handled it as well because they hadn't obviously come across a tulpa. Yeah. Um, and the way that <laughs> Dean was very, uh, well, a lot of people believe in Santa Claus, so why doesn't he exist? And Sam was like, all right, calm down, hold on. Um just hold on a sec. Just, yeah. You know, he doesn't exist because he doesn't have a Tulpa tattoo on him. No. And once when they were dealing with those spirits in the Christmas episode in like season three, um, Bobby just laughing their shit off about uh, Krumpus, the evil Santa. Oh, gosh. Bobby. Oh, Bobby. We'll get to you in a minute, buddy. Yeah. Um, but seriously, the... As I was reading around season season one, the Tulpa is like a really established thing in Tibetan myth. Yeah. Like there are like various sects of monks up somewhere on the Himalayas that can like meditate like certain con certain concepts in the weather into existence. Mm. So like of a creature like this based on that myth, it's not unreasonable, which is just another thing that the creators of the show do so well that they put their own spins and their own ownership onto like really well established myths to get this other side to like a supernatural sort of show done well yes um on the other hand oh yeah they do mess up a little bit oh yeah super because there is actually a film crew member visible in this episode yes yeah, like down that shot of the corridor was it I didn't spot I, I know about it but I didn't spot it last time when I rewatched so, it so um after Sam and Dean shoot Mordecai the Tulpa for the first time uh, Sam goes into one room, Dean goes off down another corridor, completely out of sight, and we start zooming in on the Hellhound boys talking about their footage, and you can see someone's arm and a little bit of uh, like equipment in frame That's before it zooms in properly on the boys, and that really stuck out to me. I was like, guys, it's episode 17. I would expect this in maybe like the first five or six, but this is way deep into the season. It might just be like an early thing, cause like they never shoot TV like in order. Yeah. But like even regardless, that's still not something that happens because someone like, should have picked up in that post production at least. Yeah, and like these are all established like filmmakers, so they would know how to like keep the continuity up, just like regardless. So like that sort of thing is kind of bad. But yeah. we forgive it because it's an important episode that established some really fun side characters and showed oh. up a really fun side of the brothers dynamic. God, yes, absolutely. I would completely forgive it because that episode, you know, the 
the monster of the week itself and the boys' relationships with each other and the, the ghost face of boys. Everything about that episode is just it's just one for the books. 100%. Uh, Something Wicked, episode 18. They did a few episodes like this going forward, but this was the first one where we see Small Sam and Small Dean and how they grew up on the road, and it's heartbreaking. I know. Immediately... Um, in this episode, I was like, oh, it's it's very interesting to learn as Sam and Dean as kids, but it so unbelievably breaks my heart what they went through in their childhood. Just that whole first scene was just the two of them alone, because John's pissed off somewhere to go kill something. Yeah. Um, just little Sam being like, I want the cereal, but it's like, there's only one left and I haven't had any yet, and, he just, and Dean gives it up because he's the good older brother, but, then, Sam, but then Sam's just like... Do you want a toy? Do you want a prize? I know. They were both so unbelievably cute. You know, and it just... What Sam still had his innocence back then. I think he seemed to know that there were monsters out there, but he was still very much, you know, very, very young and not hunting himself yet. No. Whereas Dean was told to shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah. Um, and it was... It was heartbreaking to see that backstory. Yeah. But at the same time, it was a really interesting part of the episode because Dean screwed up when he was a kid. They had to come back to this same monster. In the same place, doing the same horrible thing to these little kids. Yeah. Because it almost got Sam. It, um... We've seen the episodes like this, but with John present in it, makes it seem all the more, like, real and hard-hitting because... Because usually, obviously, Jeffrey Dean Morgan wasn't in the latest series, so we knew that John was away. But when we see little Sam and little, little Dean sort of interacting in other episodes like this, it was there was a bit of a disconnect, but it was still the same sort of like these kids lived a hard life that they didn't deserve. Yes. So I just really like of this kind of episode. I still think rate like, this one is the best one because it's just the first time we see it, and it's just so personal and like, yeah, visceral. It's so well done as well. Yeah. And it's just another example that Supernatural are really good at casting little Sam and little, like, younger versions of the boys so yes, well. Yes, absolutely. I would definitely believe that those kids were the boys back in the day. Yeah. Um, apart from the fact that Sam was shorter than Dean. <laughs> well, I, I personally think it's because, like, like, again, it's such an important thing about their dynamic that because Sam left, he wasn't exactly, like... Because if you're more physically active at a younger age, it stunts your growth. Oh. Really? Yeah. Because, like, building up muscle and, like, training that sort of thing physically, it does mean that you you redirect your metabolism into different parts of your body. Oh, sure, so, that would make sense. So it does stunt your growth, which is why I figure Sam's gigantic, even though he's younger. Fair enough. That's, uh, that's a theory I haven't heard before. Well, that's just, like, a way of rationalising it in my head at least fair enough um, again we see Dean uh, having very cute and, and touching moments with uh, young boy Michael Mike yes yes uh, in this episode where his baby brother Mike's baby brother um, got sick because of the monster uh, and Dean's like we have to use this young boy unfortunately because you can only kill the monster while, while feeding. he's feeding. So they have to use Michael as a law to bring in this monster 
Um, and the only reason that Michael is even remotely going to do it is because he wants Asher to get better. And that is definitely something Dean would have done as a kid for Sam. Yeah, like, it's almost pretty much what happened because from one of the flashback scenes where John sort of bursts in conveniently. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just something, another thing that was developed earlier on where Dean was really connected to little kids of innocence who shouldn't be caught up in this side of the world. Like, I feel like he's... He takes that extra initiative because he wished someone had done that for him back in the day, even though he'll never admit that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and I'm sorry, but that old lady in the hospital, yeah. when she's like, I was sleeping with my peepers open, that got me. I'll be honest. I laughed for quite a long time afterwards, just like Sam. He was still laughing when they were getting out of the car back at the motel. Um, the way that Dean basically almost popped a cap and <laughs> it was literally just some blind old lady sitting in a chair and oh my gosh that although I think it needed a little bit of levity in the episode because otherwise it would have been incredibly dark yeah uh, it was very well placed as well it was nice kind of middle episode uh, timing so that you have that little bit of you know emotion and flashback in the beginning you've got this little joke in the middle and then when you find out who the monster is Dean's absolutely crestfallen face and then just the pure anger of, of the situation. Yeah, that motivates him to really go forward and actually defeat this creature, this uh, Striga, yeah. to be able to actually go and deal with it is, like, the motivation he needs in it sort of validates his approach to being a protective to, like, innocent innocent souls in a way. Yeah. Technically, it's really interesting that the, uh, the Striga is actually a kind of witch. It is. Which is totally not how witches were sort of portrayed as going forward they were witches in this world were sort of magic users and like dark presences but these are more like hag sort of witches like yeah. actual like dark beings that feast on things which is more akin to like Baba Yaga and the old tiny sort of witches but it's just another way that the supernatural like monsters sort of switch directions as they go between writers and ideas yeah the ones the witches that we know from the later seasons are very modernised very like just people with powers yeah which is yeah totally a correct way to do it which just shows how adaptable myths can be and it's yeah a nice way to show that there's other ways to do things and it's a good growth of the mythology yes so episode 19 provenance my first note for this is <laughs> yep 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 creepy murder painting creepy murder painting it's it was a good it was a good idea that there were like spirits moving the spirit was moving through the painting because the painting itself was sort of cursed uh, I think the big my big takeaway from this was that Sam has sort of accepted his his position and his sort of lot because he was able to like find a bit of romance with fancy art lady her name's fallen right out of my head Sarah that's it um yeah he definitely I don't, I'm not entirely sure let's go so much as starts to accept that he needs to move forward. Yeah, that's probably more correct, but, like... Yeah, because he's still motivated to, like, find the thing that killed his mother and his, the, the lady he actually loved, but he's open to just being able to, like, go and be happier again so much so that in the next episode Dean was just like hey would you go back to New York Sarah yeah. Sarah, Sarah. Sarah's still there you, you could take her out on a date and Sam's like yeah maybe one day just yeah. not right now uh, but he doesn't which is sad no um, so 
the boy's reaction in the motel room. Yeah. To the motel room, which was the like the gaudiest, ugliest place ever. Black and white, monochrome disco seventies trash, and they both just kind of looked at it and went, "Huh," and then just continued about their life. They've been they've bound, they live out of they lived out of motel rooms for the first like seven or eight seasons. So, and I love that they never recycle one. They never recycle a set across the whole show. No, no, no. Every th- every single one is different, but most motel rooms look alike enough to get away with some of it. Yeah. yeah, but this one in particular was just so out there, and the way the boys just kind of, you know, glazed past it. Huh. Just really made me laugh because if that was legitimately anyone else who walked into that hotel room and was just kind of like, what the ever-living fuck is this? What is this place? And they're just like, huh. Yeah, all right. And then they're like, so, this creepy murder painting, yeah? What are we going to do about it? Uh-huh. And I was like, wow. So you've been on the road such a long time, you legit don't care where you sleep. No. they, they Like, they are so road-weary and beat up by strange monsters and strange ghosts that, like, if they can just crash anywhere, they will. Mm. It, yeah, like right, like right at the beginning of um, of uh, what was it called? Episode four, episode four, Phantom Traveler. Like that, like that one scene where like Sam's sort of like thinking in the motel room. Like Dean is out. Dean is spent sparker. Oh like, yeah, that, that is just how active their life they lead. That they they you know, they don't they can't afford to get. It's just a, it's just a place on the road that they can just go poof, sleep. Yeah, um, and then you know they go out, they go and burn this painting. And they think they're done. They're like, hey, obviously the spirits in the painting, cursed object, cool. We've sorted it out. Nope. Um, and then you know Dean's like, ah. Oh, I dropped my wallet. I must have dropped it in the art place. And Sam was like, what do you mean you dropped it? How can you drop it? And they have to go back to the art place. Turns out, uh, Dean's just a dickhead. Yeah. (laughs) And he didn't drop his wallet, but he did want Sam to go on a date with Sarah. Um, And then the painting... Just reformed. uh, Gets taken past Sam and Sarah whilst Sam is talking to Sarah and he absolutely loses it yeah just completely goes what oh it's just so good and I'm like dude how long have you been doing this that's such terrible like come on but like the date was going so well cause like the date cause like the moment they sit down he was just like trying to like look sophisticated by leafing through the wine menu and she's like no nah, I'll have a beer it's like oh Okay, me too, please. Uh. And then, and then you know, he just completely loses it about the painting. And then uh, she realizes that the painting is cursed. Goes along with their weird ass lifestyle. Yep. And uh, <laughs> she's like, "I'm coming too. I, you know, I may have put this woman in danger. Whatever." And uh, and then Dean's like, "Sir, marry that girl." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, if that's what you got to do. That's yeah. fair. She's op- she's open to the lifestyle and just the realism of sometimes there are doors that are just too big for you to kick in. Yeah, yeah. You know, if there's some strange entity holding you back, there is no way that Dean is getting through that door. No. No matter how hard he kicks or tries or anything like that. I'm sorry, but when he was in the mausoleum, actually getting the cursed object, because hmm. spoiler alert, it wasn't the painting. Nope. Um, and he 
is trying to hit through the glass hmm. with a gun yeah. and then almost leaves to like I assume go and get a baseball bat out of the car and then goes oh come on Dean and he turns around and he shoots the glass I legitimately that is about the only time I got angry with Dean because it was just such a dumbass move I was like come on man use your brain please you're, you're literally trying to bash in glass with a gun I don't know how you do this uh. But then again, now that you've remarked, like now that that seems back in my head, like I could just think of the of the gag reel of just like Sam, hurry, I miss you, I miss your mask. Oh, he's like, wait, what? what? <laughs> I miss you. What? I miss, I miss you. I miss your must smell. Oh, all right, I'll be right back. Like, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> oh, stupid. Oh dear me. Um, and uh, when Sam's in the house and he's trying to find some salt to put salt circles around yep. them uh, to save them from the ghost and he's like what kind of house doesn't have salt you low sodium freaks and I'm like yes yes classic line from Sam there yeah and it's honestly something that like might genuinely happen if you're like an old rich person this is like on a hipster diet oh absolutely because it's the thing they recommend for old people it's just a weird bit of realism that you would never expect mm. Yes. And that's also like some of Dean's sass starting to rub through on, on onto Sam. Which is Although I'm pretty I'm I'm sure he has his own level of sass. I think just being with his brother escalates that a lot yeah. bit. Yeah. Which I think you need. Yeah. You super need. So we're gonna move on to episode twenty. Dead Man's Blood. Vampires, finally. It's this is we've had like lots of ghosts, but otherwise we've had lots of We've had ghosts and we've had demons, but otherwise we've had lots of very niche mythical creatures. Yes. So having something that, like, everybody knows, like, being the forefront of this episode is just them recognising, okay, we need to... Everything is valid in this world, and it's a nice thing to see. But it it is quite funny how when John comes back... uh, Your um, best friend. And he, you know, says what Daniel was best at hunting vampires and even Dean's like wait I thought they didn't exist what are you talking about and then uh, later on in the episode he's like <laughs> vampires it's funnier every time I hear it yeah cause like they are rare enough because of the prolific nature that they were hunted by Abraham Lincoln that he, I could not do it uh, that maybe they are like a myth and like like as we know now angels exist in this world but hunters don't know about them per se mm. yes so there are still things that are just like sort of out of the realms of understanding I agree but I did find it quite interesting that the first time we see another hunter apart from the boys and John it, it just gets murdered on scene yeah it's kind of sad especially one that's got so much experience and has such a sweet set of stuff which includes the the biggest and the baddest and the best the cult the cult which was a lovingly kept in continuity because it was one of his ancestors that picked up the cult in that one episode where they travelled back in time to deal with the phoenix oh in like season four six oh that's later than I thought it was yeah because they were dealing with the mother of the monsters what's her face oh yeah season six okay I got my timeline all over the place. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, but I <laughs> I was very vigilant in my counting 
of the bullets. Oh, good. Every single time someone shot something, and every single time that the gun was like showed to be reloaded or whatever, I would always count the bullets and make sure, continuity-wise, that there was the correct amount. And the winner is... It was always correct. Good. They always did it right. You know, there were five shots when we saw the, the Colt being loaded the first time by Daniel before he got killed. Yeah. And then later on, they got it correct. Four, three, two, one bullet left at the end of the season. Good. And it was always on count. But I did make the the note of having to write that down just in case because I was like this could be one of those easy things where you just forget if you've shot someone yeah I would think that like they would at least have made a much, as much of an effort as possible because they put a specific number on it yes and because it's a specific kind of bullet that works in it I would like to think because to me this is the most American magic weapon ever oh god yeah uh, an enchanted gun made by the Samuel Colt that can kill any monster that Whilst, is um, Asteroid was going overhead or some such? I think it was made out of, like, asteroid metal or something. Um, But, like, it's the most magic... American magic item ever. So, I would like to think that the whole gun is magical. So that if you were to, like, take shavings of the side of the gun and put it into bullets, that would work. Or, even better, if you could put any bullet into it and it would work, that might work as well. Which I think is what happened when it came back. No. Thing? Because John said specifically Those bullets were for the gun. No nothing else will work. You only have five shots. I know that the Colts come back into the Don't room. they make don't they find a way to make the bullets work though? They put like little devil's traps or something on them. Yeah, they put devil's traps onto bullets to shoot a demon and they would stay there. Well, let's find out when we rewatch season two. Yes. <laughs> um, I have made a note here that says, John, piss off. Sam, calm down. Dean, you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> you're doing great, sweetie. You're doing great, sweetie. Just because, you know, all the time John was just bitch, bitch, bitching and, and Sam was getting more and more riled up that John wasn't telling them, you know, that the cult existed, why they were going after the vampires, how John knew that they were on the trail. You know, blah, 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 blah. And then God only knows why Dean was letting Sam drive. Yeah, that was, that was unsettling. Like, there's a, there's a number of times where Sam drives. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And but, I imagine, like, they do enough long-haul, like, cross-country drives where sometimes Dean needs to just, like, crash and sleep and Sam has to drive. But it's still a weird thing to just look at. In this instance where his dad is back, you would think that Dean would be at the wheel. Because yeah, you would want to be in some semblance of control then again this might be one of the few times when Dean would be okay with relinquishing control because dad's here and dad would be okay with being in control maybe yeah true but just having Sam drive in that scene obviously something was going to happen where he would cut John off in the middle of the road to start yelling at him yeah yeah because like him going Dean stopped the car would not would just like put an extra like second and a half on the, the argument which wouldn't make it like flow naturally yeah um but for the first time that we see vampires they weren't as deadly as I thought they were going to be they were sort of they were very pretty weren't they they, they were, were tame yeah compared to 
the vampires that we see later on in the other seasons. Yeah. They were very much... I think there was only, like, one yeah, the, murder. Yeah. It's because they... It's because vampires are so heavily hunted, they live on the fringes and they sort of farm people. Yeah. Uh... But I found it very interesting about the, you know, the lore of the vampire, the fact that you can only kill them if you behead them, instead of, like, you know, crosses repel them and all of this bullshit that we've been fed by the media. Um, and the fact that they have another set of teeth that come out instead of just fangs. Yeah, that was always really interesting. It was just a way for them to sort of, like, blend normally, and I suppose it stopped them needing to get false teeth for their actors, so they could just do, like, the like the infinite ones instead of, like, the stupid sort of pokey ones. Yes. Um, and then at the end of the episode, John uses one bullet Possibly to check if the gun actually does kill everything. I feel like it does, and it would be a good way to just sort of, like, defuse the whole hunt by killing the leader of this vampire nest. Yeah, I also agree. Um, I definitely... What would you have done if it didn't work, though? Like, what if you'd gone to all this trouble, and then the cult that supposedly kills everything doesn't actually work? Oh. Cheers. Because this is a billion years before they ever encounter, like, a Kurdish demon-killing knife. So they have to just exercise the, the big demon and hope for the best. But if you if you have shot a vampire in the head, and then it didn't kill him, oh, it would feel real fucking bad. Yeah, feel real fucking like, bad. I'm super glad the cult worked in that instance because it could have gone horribly wrong. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But then again, I don't think the most American magic weapon will ever let you down. Well, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Go America or something. Or something. Uh, episode 21, Salvation. Uh, I was about to start writing my notes for episode 22, then I crossed out the title and wrote, Carry her babies in. It's amazing that, like, it shows up here and not episode 22 and, like, everywhere else, even though it's the perfect track for them and their journey and stuff. Yeah. So, obviously, this is a staple of the Supernatural fandom. At yeah. this point, every time someone plays that song you can hear it from countries apart yeah um there was I didn't actually pick up on that seriously? I don't know why I didn't pick up on it maybe because I'm so uh desensitised to it now fair because I I you know I just assume whenever there's a supernatural episode it's gonna start with Carry On My Way With Son no they only ever do it for the last last episode of the season yeah but they didn't do that here because, like, still new. But they recognised that, like, the fans loved that track so much and that it fit them in terms of Dean's music aesthetic and the message of the song, that it fits better as the crowning glory end of the series sum-up song. Yes. And I would hasten to agree. Every single time I hear it, uh, I just... I, I, I sing along, I dance in my seat, you know, I get, I get into it, and I'm like, yeah, sets you up really well for a... For a very good last episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have no idea why I didn't pick up on that one in this episode. It's very weird. Yeah. Like you said, maybe it's just sort of gotten used to the fact that it's just always sort of there. And yeah. it's not a big deal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But as for the episode itself... Meg's um, back. Meg is back. This is the first time we see her since she fell out of the window. Yeah, but like, falling out of the window is not a big deal. If you're a demon. Yeah, but she's not a demon. Is she? She is, but she's inside a blonde a meat lady. bag. Yes, she is inside a poor young 
person uh, this awful demon thing, which luckily gets sorted out quite nicely. Well, not now. It's she's captured now after she tries to lure out John and lure away the cult. She they he tries to do a bait and switch. He tries to give, pass off a fake gun, which yeah, I mean that was a that was a kind of a rookie mistake, but. John's so good he thinks he can, like, you know, get away with it. Which, to a certain extent, he would have if she didn't bring the second guy along. Yeah. Very close. Very close. But the way that she handed the gun to the second demon, and he shot her with it to see if it worked. I mean, demons, they can't exactly be trusted. And that is, we find out in the last episode the next episode that they are actually brother and sister technically yeah so can you imagine having to go to your father the demon who killed everything and everyone uh, that set off this entire show and be like hey so I was checking if the cult worked and I, I guess I accidentally shot my sister slash your daughter slash please don't kill me it's like oh cool you brought me the enchanted gun cool destroy it with hellish demon powers kill you yeah right I think if I was the the yellow eyed demon, I would definitely be a little bit pissed off with my son. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit. It was a bold play, but like, so kind of glad that uh, yeah. he was probably kind of glad that it wasn't the gun. Yeah, I think they were kind of they were kind of expecting the bait and switch off of John. Yeah, they were kind of expecting that. I think that would be a normal play at this point. Yeah. Um. So whilst John is is getting all fucked up by fucked Nick, up. Um, Meg's Meg's over the phone trying to. Well, this is before John's getting screwed up. Yeah. Meg's over the phone telling him, you know, if you don't come see me now, I'm gonna keep killing everyone you love and you care about. And my brain, my glorious brain, said, "Oh, are you including Adam in that?" <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that when I looked over your notes. I'm just like. I mean, yeah. Because probably, technically, technically his son would be alive at this point. Yeah, yeah. I assume that people would know about him. At the very least, John should. Yeah. Right. I should hope so. So, yeah, that's why the Samadine freaked out so bad. It's just like, oh, Dad had another kid, another son that we didn't know about and doesn't know about the life when they meet him. Because, you know, she's all like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill this pastor and I'm going to go and kill this other guy called Caleb who we as viewers don't have that much of sentimental connection to because although we've heard their names thrown around a couple of times we've never actually seen them or heard them on the show Yeah. and suddenly they're just dead yeah so we feel like there's some lost but we don't care about it yeah which I think if, if the boys had met them once or twice along the road, yeah, it would have meant a little bit more if Meg started going around killing these people. Yeah, if there, if there was just a nice bit of instead of John randomly like delegating these missions, if it was this Caleb guy, that would have been really pretty good. Yeah, yeah, or just like him helping them out a couple of times, filling the role that Bobby would eventually fill. Yes, yeah, that I agree with. Yeah, um, and then you know, before John goes off to go and deal with Meg or whatever and they have that kind of touching family moment blah 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 and and I wrote down in my notes hug your sons you bitch because he's just kind of like alright bye bye and gets in the truck and I'm like 
You don't know what's going to happen. You could quite easily die. I don't care how good you are. He is too macho-wacho. I don't... Fuck off. He is too macho-wacho. Hug your son. Twat face. Twat a lot. Um, and then you get Sam and Dean. Yep. Dealing with this young family because Sam has had another uh, psychic vision. The visions of convenience. Um telling him that this is going to be the family that the yellow-eyed demon is going to come and do things attack with. Yeah. next. Uh, so... Do that. John sets them on this path and they're all, like, creeping outside the house trying to make sure that everything's fine. Um, and then, for once, in this show, someone has the correct reaction when boys come barging into your house. The yeah. husband is immediately like, get out of my house and start swinging. Yeah. And like, I'm like, well done, sir. Well done, sir. That's actually like an attitude people really need to just apply to like horror movies. Yes. And instead of like running and screaming, just like, get the fuck out of my house, monster. Yes, exactly. Just it's like, it's like Korg in Ragnarok. Peace off, guys. Yeah. I love Korg. I love Korg. He's amazing. Um, but, and then... You know, they go upstairs, they see this demon who turns around, and it turns out it has yellow eyes. And that's the only thing we know about it, is the yellow-eyed demon. Yeah. We don't know a name yet. We don't know a name for seasons. Isn't it end of season two? Uh, yeah, upon... Yeah, like the literal last moments. Yeah. Ish. Um. So, you know, it kind of ends with the house blowing up, and Sam wanting to go back in to... The, the house to try and shoot the yellow-eyed demon and Dean's like mm, you're mm. gonna get yourself killed you twat yeah don't do that uh, and then that leads us in to the very last episode yeah. of the season because John as far as yeah because they know that John's been captured because they tried to ring him up and be like uh, dad we failed yeah and then it's like uh, no this is me calling how can I help how can I help this is demon customer service how can I help you today yeah, they speak to her at the beginning of Devil's Trap, and they say, "Oh, it's an easy deal. Uh, you give me the the magical gun of awesomeness, and I'll give, and I might probably, but probably also probably won't give you a dad back." Yeah, uh, and so that leads us to episode twenty-two. They needed to reconvene, so they needed to go and find another powerful and well-equipped hunter. So they go to the next best guy now that this Caleb that we totally care about is dead. They Absolutely. Go, they go and meet a guy that's not totally narcissistically named after one of the producers. However, I'll let it go because Bobby! Bobby! Oh, Bobby! When they created this character, I, I know full well when they created this character, he was just going to be in as this bit part for this one episode. Oh yeah, he was definitely going to be a one-off character. Yeah, but like the quality of the set of this dude in this junkyard and this house covered in books... Yes. And the gear that this character surrounded himself in, and the way he just delivers the line—I don't know what you boys got yourself into—but there's hell, there's a storm coming. You two are smack in the middle of it. Yeah. Just the quality with which he delivers that line, fans and, and the creators were just like, "All right, there's something special with this character. We'll bring him back." I, I'm so unbelievably happy that they brought him back, and he became a reoccurring character. Yeah. Because again, I didn't want him to become a Missouri no. because there was so much potential in his character. And the fact that they saw that and they brought him back, and I'm like, yes, you've done it, creators. Yeah. You have my faith. Every, everyone even agreed with that. Even Jim Beaver said that this is possibly the best re re reliable gig he's ever had. Oh, yeah. Actor. So, like, 
everyone's happy with it and this character went on to do very important things for the whole length of the show and he was important and he showed the boys the actual title of the episode Devil's Trap the important seven pointed star mm. which they put on the ceiling yeah. which is such a better place to put those things than on the floor because you can crack stuff on the floor I mean don't get me wrong you can crack stuff on the ceiling as well but it's a lot harder yes yeah but it, they just keep repeatedly putting it on the floor after this episode yeah I mean like for trapping angels you have to put the circle of holy oil on the floor because it'll be drippy but, like, with Devil's Traps, you can put it on the ceiling. You can put it on the wall and it'll be a nice dramatic pacing, but then you can just put it all out. But, you get me? Yeah. You feel? I get you. You feel? On the ceiling. Yeah. Then again, I haven't really thought about this until we keep saying on the ceiling, but their mother died on the ceiling. Yes. That's a nice throwback. Yeah. Like, they, they showed the boys, the humans, at a low point of power because of the ceiling, and now the demons have the tables turned and they're in a low point of power, power on the ceiling. Yeah. Also, it's a completely different trap. It's a seven-pointed star that they call, like, the Gate of Solomon or something. Sure. But, like, we usually get the five-pointed, fairly simple-looking ones done with chalk from here going forward, which I get are easier for, like, the art department to make. <laughs> but the seven-pointed one on the ceiling just looks it so looks awesome. so appealing, doesn't it? Yeah. I would love to have a devil's trap just in the house. Yeah. Like, put it over the doorway. Sure. Yeah. Why not? No, the trick is you actually... This is one of the few times where you do actually put it on the floor because you put it under the doormat so that the demons don't see it as they enter the house. Yeah, that is true. But then they're still in the house. Yeah, then you just play your pre-recorded exorcism that Sam made for you. Oh, I should thank Sam once in a while. Yeah. Um, so you got Bobby. We love Bobby. We love Bobby's verse. He's a great guy. Great guy. Where did his dog go? Like, did Mel kill it? Sadly, probably. I don't think it was ever so. I don't think we ever saw what happened to it on screen, at least. No, we didn't. It was there on the truck, and then we heard it barking, and then Bobby looked outside, and it was gone. And I'm also pretty sure that the dog's name was Rufus. Oh, I named after this man. Yeah, which I found hilarious. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that's an inside joke or whether you're legitimately calling one of your best friends a dog. Based on the fact that the character went on to be black, I'm going to hope it's just named after his best friend. So, yeah, that one I found quite funny. I was like, oh, you named the dog Rufus. <laughs> That's nice. going to come back later. <laughs> nice. So, with the end of the season, there's quite a lot that happens in this episode. Yeah, this episode's jam-packed. But it's very interesting to me because it's exactly the same length as the rest of the season. It just feels like there's a lot of stuff. It feels like it was an hour and a half long, but it wasn't. It was just a normal 45 minutes. Yeah, because they started the episode rocking up to Bobby's place. They deal with Meg. Then they go into the city, pretend to be those firefighters, deal with the sun, get John back. Yes. But they didn't actually. No, because... Spoiler! Well, like, this show's like over... I get what you mean. But yes, but, you know, spoiler... John is the yellow-eyed demon. dun dun, dun. <laughs> Who saw that coming? Everyone and also no one. Yeah. Uh, you know, you thought it was a possibility, but after Sam threw that holy water on him, you were like, oh, he's definitely not possessed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, something That's... as old and dangerous as him, you really think holy water would work? Yeah, shut up. No, no, I mean, like, later in the, ca the big ethos of the episode... It's revealed that um, the yellow demon Azazel is one of the knights of hell. One of the oldest and most powerful of demons. Ones created by Lucifer, like Abaddon. Yeah, 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 granted. But at the same time, there's no need to be a bitch about it. Yeah. 
Like, we get it. You're almighty. There's no need. But then again, like, this is one... This is, for being like this, tangling with humans is just, like, fun, and they're not... They haven't been comparable enough of a threat until now. Sure. Yeah. So you can... If, you do have some leeway to lord it over. Um, I don't think anybody gives Dean enough credit for his, like, ingenuity and his actual, like, street smarts. Because when they were trying to get those demons and, like, clear the civilians out of the house yeah. or the apartment, he was the one that was like, you pull the fire alarm. Hmm. You figure out what you need to do, pull the fire alarm, go upstairs, get into the flat, get dad. Yeah. And that, you know, and Sam, yeah. college boy, yeah. who always has a plan, yeah. was sitting on his ass twiddling his thumbs. He had no idea what to do. That's, that's just like the, the difference between being intelligent and being small. Yes. That's something you don't get from book learning. No. That's something that... That's probably just like an old trick that Demon probably... That Dean probably used to just like clear a building with a monster in it with Dad back in the day anyway. Yeah. But I, I did love him kind of showing his hand, as it were. Like, he was showing how smart he was instead of Sam this time. No, specifically how smart he was. Yes. Um, I... When they get to the secluded cabin in the woods, yeah. and they're all like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, Sam's all screwed up because that demon son of the yellow eyes, yeah, just beat the crap just out beat of him. the ever living crap out of him, and Dean shot him to kill him." Um, yeah, can't work. Yeah, <laughs> so Sam's all beat to hell. John's still supposedly recovering, and Dean is the only one who's sensible, unwounded. Yes. And then, it, shit goes down. Shit goes down real hard because we get the reveal that... Oh, so Dean figures it out. Yep. Because in the most heartbreaking way, he realises that his father would be unbelievably pissed off at him for wasting a bullet saving Sam. Yeah. And he's right, which is the saddest part. They have, they have, they have the number of bullets, but still, it comes out clear. And then you know Dean's like no you're not my father Sam comes back in the room Dean is pointing a gun at who Sam still thinks is his father yeah. and then Sam is made to choose sides it's like it's just too hard because we finally get what the whole season was building up to because even Kripke said this se- the uh, overarching motive of the season was to get dad mm. but seeing a situation after just like recovering from getting the shippy out of you to see this it was just too, it was too hard for him but he handled it in his way he did he did he, he sided with Dean and then uh, you know just as Dean thought that maybe he was wrong and it was his dad the yellow eyed demon came out to play yeah because he knew that he was officially outnumbered yes with the only reasonable force on hand to be able to deal with him so Sammy eventually gets the gun and shoots Dad in the leg. After there was enough of a moment for John to come out again. Because we got the whole supervillain speech. Yes. And Dean was like, would you quit monologuing and just kill me? I'm getting bored. Yeah. And then he does try to kill him and Dean loses a shit ton of blood. Yep. And basically almost dies. Uh... It was, then, it was that bad way that really set things off for the next season we'll get to that in a sec and then you know Sam shoots John in the leg 
demon smokes out and everyone's sufficiently fucked at this point John is really really annoyed at Sam that he didn't shoot John in the head because you know yeah he's willing to go down if he can take this demon with him whereas Sam doesn't want that and Dean is over in the corner bleeding out basically begging Sam not to shoot his own father yeah and this entire last like 20 minutes of the last episode had me like right there yeah because like the emotion was so high because you can deal with like phenomenal cosmic powers okay yes phenomenal cosmic powers you can have like apocalyptic forces but when it's just an impossible situation a hostage situation in a way Mm. and you're being encouraged to shoot the hostage like the dude says in speed the you can't make that kind of decision but the emotional weight of it all just like when your dad is having in front of you is just so heavy yeah and it was done perfectly it really was uh and then you know the boys and and john they need to leave because obviously the yellow eyed demon knows where they are so they all get in the car and they all start driving off with one bullet left and then the most original ending of the season out of all of them the most human ending yeah there's no like monster dragging someone to hell there's no like oh I'm losing my soul there's no like oh you're going to purgatory it's just boom car crash crunch and sure we do get like the cosmic side the spectral supernatural side where we see like blackened eyes of a demon truck driver but it's just carried away with like a mangled car wreck and bad moon rising yeah which is the perfect end to that kind of season yeah because it's still the most human and grassroots yeah we don't get anything big and apocalyptic until going forward the the emotional weight of that whole exchange that 15-20 minute just like hostage situation and the supervillain monologue and the bullets from the cult flying we know that we've only got one bullet left and you have and you cannot afford to miss it go into that like boom explosion of tension and then ending the season that way like if you, I could not imagine of watching this back in the day because like you introduced me to this like 2012 2013 like yeah. way after the fact yeah yeah so like seeing this happen I would have lost my tiny mind oh god yeah like watching but well I damn well hope we wouldn't be watching it at, at age 10 back in yeah. 2005 yeah. that's just not something that would have happened nope. but it's just you know not something back in 2005 that was on TV that much no it was very nuanced for its time it was you know very niche uh, and very well done yeah considering the tools they had to work with obviously yeah obviously that's not the case anymore but back then they were still working on very little but they were able to put together something very special that has been able to go on for such a long time yes from this one strong powerful unique ending um and I don't know about you but I can't wait to jump into season 2 yeah from this kind of ending knowing that the stakes are the highest our heroes are bleeding out they're on their last shot on the cult with the with the bad guy in the wind again anything could happen yeah anything could happen and it's just an exciting point to end the season on which which drew in many other viewers like us for many seasons to come indeed indeed so, as a summary of season one, how do you feel after rewatching it? 
I was deeply surprised with everything I've missed and everything I've forgotten. I was deeply rewarded to see how, like, not simple in a bad way, but honestly how simple the story and the stakes were. Yes. Compared to how grandiose everything has become. Yes. Um, it's really interesting to see it still as a, like, true horror show instead of, like, something that's very out there. Yes. But, like, honestly, like, you can't have one without the other. This is the out there stuff is where this came from. And it was a natural progression for the show to go through. It was really rewarding to just catch up on, like, an old and familiar friend and an old familiar show and just see where everything started. Yes. I agree. Um... For me, it was very much, you know, the nostalgia fest that I was hoping it was going to be. I remember watching the first season on my own, and then I rewatched it with a friend from university, and then I think I rewatched it on my own again. So watching it now and being able to take notes on it and like really delve into it a little bit more, um, it was really, really fun for me. And I'm very glad that that you agreed to do this with me because I think I would have been a little bit upset if I just had to sit there and watch it on my own with no like way to talk about it afterwards yeah and besides uh being able to talk it through in like a conversation there's gonna be a much more rewarding way to get everyone's thoughts out and to banter through and to hopefully defend sam because listening to you talk sam down for a while might not have been quite as fun but uh yeah listen all right i warm up to him from season two onwards all right the okay. next, the next uh, bunch of notes is gonna be like oh sam did this and i'm really happy about it yeah, oh no. sam lost his shoe and i was really sad he uh, was super cute you know what i am looking forward to hearing all of those notes when we start delving into season two on the next episode here of wayward rewatch yeah i was catching up with the winchester brothers on their road through hunting monsters, saving people, hunting things, the family business. Yes. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap up season one in the heaping car wreck of wherever we've been recording this. Yes. Aware of the high, high stakes of what Sam, Dean and John have to get up with when season two starts. Another 22 episodes would probably mean we'll split it in half, just like we did that way. We'll see how much we can ramble on for the next episode. Probably quite a bit, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, but that's good. It means we can get everything, all of our emotions, just right there, up on the surface. Yes. But until next time, probably going to be a few weeks from whenever you hear this. It's going to be a long while from time of recording, but that's going to be for us to deal with and for you to partake in when we catch up with the Winchester Brothers. Until next time, I'm Adam here on Fantastic Universes. I have been Faye. And thank you for listening. Love you, and we'll see you very soon. The Fantastic Universes podcast was created by Stephen Ray and Adam Ray and produced by Adam Ray. This episode also features Faye Clark. You can follow us on Twitter at FanUniverses, follow Adam on his at IsItTinkerer, and follow Faye at FayeClark16. Original music by Professor Elemental and Tom Caruana. You can find that at tcrecords.com, T-E-A-S-E-A-Records.com. Opening music can be found on the Open Music Library. All things all nerd all the time, just for you. Thanks for listening.